Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. I wonder if I could ask the five designated readers, you know who you are, if you could just come and sit at the front here. Um, what we're going to do this morning is, is read the scriptures. And I don't have the ESV version, but right at the end of the letter we're going to read, which is 1 Thessalonians, right at the end of the letter, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, who are the authors, they say, we put you under an oath to read this letter. So we're, we're reading under oath this morning. We've been charged to read this letter. And if you have Bible, I trust you do, because this is church. Um, if you could just turn with me to Acts 17, where we have all the context for the letter that we're going to read. It's going to be read to us this morning, the public reading of Scripture. And um, in Acts 17, we, we get the, the, the background and the context. I'd just like to read this to you. It's during Paul's second missionary trip, the second big journey that he took. And sort of somewhere in the middle of that, of that um, trip, which is from Acts 15 to 18, middle of 18, is a, in my Bible, it's headed a short ministry in Thessalonica. And, um, and I'll read in a second what happened. But Lord, I just want to pray as we, as we hear the word of God this morning, it would have a profound impact on our lives, Lord. Thank you for this letter that's going to be read. Thank you for um, the, the, the aspects of faith and hope and love that are in this letter. But Lord, I pray it will be real, relevant, timely, profound for us in the room today. Amen. Amen. So this is the background. It says, then they, and when you read back, you'll find this is um, Paul and Silas, who set off in, uh, towards the, at the end of Acts 15. And then at the beginning of Acts 16, they pick up Timothy and take Timothy with them. It's Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And it says, then they traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As usual, Paul went to them, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and showing that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead, and said, this is the Messiah, Jesus, who I am proclaiming to you. And then some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a great number of God-fearing Greeks, as well as a number of the leading women. But the Jews became jealous, and when they had brought together some scoundrels from the marketplace and formed a mob, they set the city in an uproar. Attacking Jason's house, they searched for them to bring them out to the public assembly. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here too, and Jason has received them as guests. They're all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the Jews stirred up the crowd and the city officials who heard these things so taking a security bond from Jason and the others, they released them. And then verse 10 says, As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas off to Berea. And um, 
the story continues. So, so this is an event that literally takes place over three weeks, three Saturdays. And in that time, the gospel is preached that Jesus died but has risen again. Um, Paul obviously said he's king. He's the king of kings because that's the, that's the charge that the Jews are bringing against him. And, and as we read there, this visit provokes jealousy and uproar and criticism and persecution and a baying mob. And so they have to quickly dispatch them. And from there, if you read on in, into Acts 17, you'll find that when, when they arrive next in Athens... They're so concerned to know how this little fledgling church in Thessalonica is getting on, having had only three weeks of input and ministry. How are they doing? Are they standing firm? And, um, and so they send Timothy back to Thessalonica, and he goes to see how they're doing and to take encouragement, and we'll read about that in the epistle in a moment. And he returns with good news. All is well. The church is doing okay. And, and, and that um, provokes this letter, which many people believe to be the, the earliest of all the epistles in the New Testament, certainly the first or second oldest. And I've called it here a faith, hope, and love letter. Because as you'll read, as we'll hear, faith, hope, and love, uh, at the start of the letter and at the end of the letter and peppered throughout references to faith and hope and love. The letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. It's written from all three of them because, because they express teamwork. And, um, and as you'll hear, as we'll hear, um, this short visit um, forged such a deep sense of joining that the letter oozes with love and affection. It's a wonderful letter. And um, so these five readers are going to read a chapter and we will just pause at the end of each chapter to comment on a couple of things. But essentially... I want the word to speak for itself today. That we receive what God wants to say through his word. As we read, look out for, if you just put the next slide up, look out for these things. First of all, look out for the second and third shortest verses in the whole Bible. They're both in this letter. Um, also, although you, that might be difficult because you've not got the verse numbers in front of you as you listen, but you, you, may, you may get that. Also, look out for, listen out for, mentions of faith, nine times. Mentions of hope, four times. Mentions of love, eight times. Look out for the word encourage, seven times. One another, five times. Holy Spirit, four times. Walk, three times. And even more, twice. And lots of other words as well. So, um, shall we just pray for, the, for our readers this morning? Cindy, Chris, Pete, Rosanna, and Sarah. Lord, we want to thank you that um, we are, <laughs> we want to thank you, we're under an oath to have this letter read aloud, Lord. Not specifically us, but the scriptures encourage the public reading of themselves. And I want to pray for all that we'll be reading this morning as they speak, as we hear, Holy Spirit, you will communicate with us. Anoint them. It's not, just a, it's not just a little bit of public reading. Anoint them, Lord, to convey the scriptures to us this morning. We bless them and we thank you for what we're about to hear. Amen.
So I'm going to ask um, if you'd come up in the order. Rosanna's first, I think. And, um, and we'll just pause at the end of each chapter and just mention a couple of things. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're all reading from the Holman Bible. To the Church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord, when, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Thank you. If you could just put the slide up, just three things to mention on each chapter, but... Isn't it amazing, their faith and hope and love? Paul says, we recall your faith. There was something about the faith, the hope, and the love that Paul and Silas and Timothy experienced in that church that was, that was visible, tangible. They, 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 could, they could recall experiencing something of faith and hope and love and, and the faith that produced works, the hope that led to endurance, and the love, love that led to labor. These were practical outcomings of these three eternal characteristics. I love secondly in verse five that the gospel came not only in word, but with power. Yeah. I said the other week, we need a healthy balance in all things. We need word and we need power. That's, I, I guess that was critical in this short visit producing a firmly established church. And lastly, they became a model. Wow, this little church, I don't know it was little, this, this, this church that only had three weeks of input quickly became a model in the whole of Macedonia. We'll come back to some of those things, but let's listen to chapter two. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had been previously suffered and had been outrageously treated in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but rather God who examines our hearts. For we never use flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness. And we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. 
Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you as a nursing mother nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you have become dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers, working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We preach God's gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Also, this is why we constantly thank God, because when you received the message about God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is, the message of God, which also works effectively in you, believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews. They killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and persecuted us. They displeased God and are hostile to everyone, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so they may be saved. As a result, they are always adding to the number of their sins, and wrath has overtaken them completely. But as for us, brothers, after we were forced to leave you for a short time, in person, not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. So we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming. Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Amen. Amen. Just to mention, Paul is clear we've been entrusted with the gospel. And um, Paul is so clear in all his letters what a privilege that is. We've been entrusted with the gospel, a sacred deposit. And just want to say, may, may we never, ever, ever dilute or compromise the word of God, the gospel. It's not our message. It's not our message, it's God's message. And we're not here to please men, but, but God. I love in verses 7 and 11, which are both up there, that Paul describes himself as an apostle as feeling like both a mother and a father. And, um, and that relationship is always family, never organizational. This, we're, we're in a day where people need fathers, not networks. Personal, familial. And, and, and because of this parental relationship that, that he has with them, he loves them, and he shows that in some of the words there on the screen. He nurtures them, nurtured them, he cares for them, shares his life with them, encourages them, comforts, implores them. And then right um, in verse 12, he says, um, he, he says, we are to walk worthy of God. And I want to come back to that after one of the other chapters. We're to walk worthy of the Lord. Amen. Let's head chapter 3. Chapter 3. Therefore, when we could stand no longer, 
we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith, so that no one will be shaken by these persecutions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed, sorry, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. In fact, when we were with you, we told you previously that we were going to suffer persecution, and as you know, it happened. Mm -hmm. For this reason, when I could no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith, fearing the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might have been for nothing. But now Timothy has come from you and brought us good news about your faith and love and reported, and reported that you always have good memories of us, wanting to see us as we also want to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you through your faith, for now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you? As we pray very earnestly, night and day, to see you face to face and to, sorry, <laughs> face to face, and to complete what is lacking in your faith. Now may God, our Father himself, and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we also do for you. May he make our hearts, your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. 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 I love that Paul sends Timothy to strengthen them and encourage them. And he says, um, he says so that they wouldn't be shaken. And um, this ministry of strengthening one another, encouraging one another, when otherwise we might be a bit shaken right now, but part of our call and, and, and ministry together is simply to strengthen and encourage one another. He goes on to talk about receiving the good news from Timothy. Timothy's come back and I was, so, I was longing to find out how you're doing, how he, but now I've heard good news about your faith and your love. And he says, and now we live. I read that this week. I thought, Life for Paul was knowing that they were standing strong in faith and love. And it just struck me with the impact that good news has on others. We are carriers of good news and that brings life to others. So let's be, let's be really good at, at strengthening and encouraging and, and sharing good news with one another. At the end there, he just simply prays, I, I pray for your increase and that your love may overflow. We'll come back to some of those things. Pete. Don't knock that microphone stand, whatever you do. It's got a mind of its own. Finally then, brothers, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us how you must walk and please God, as you're doing, 
do it even more. For you know what commands we gave you through Lord Jesus. For this is God's will, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, so that each of us knows how to control his own body in sanctification and honour, not with lustful desires, like the Gentiles who don't know God. This means one must not transgress against and defraud his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger of all these offences. As we also previously told and warned you, for God has not called us to impurity, but to sanctification. Therefore, the person who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who also gives you his Holy Spirit. Now about brotherly love, you don't need me to write to you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. In fact, you're doing this towards all the brothers in the entire region of Macedonia. But we encourage you. Brothers, do, do it even more. To seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we have commanded you, so that you may walk properly in the presence of the outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way God will bring him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. For we say to you, by the revelation from the Lord, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from the heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God, and the dead of Christ will rise first. Then we, who are still alive, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Did you notice a couple of times he, he says, these things you're doing, do them even more. Yeah. And sometimes that's just the best instruction, isn't it? The good things they were doing, walking in a way that pleased God, showing brotherly love. He says, just keep doing it even more. If you look ahead to 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, his second letter to them. He says, we must always thank God for you, brothers. Uh, this is maybe, maybe a year later, I'm not sure. Because, um, which is fitting, since your faith is flourishing and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. He says, do it even more. And clearly they did. And it paid off. Um, he says, um, this is God's will. It's our sanctification. And um, the, the version I originally read from, a slightly older one, it says, everybody should possess his own vessel. I was asked before the meeting if I'd got a yacht, actually, which I haven't. But I guess I would have been possessing my own vessel if I had. But, but what he really means is control your body. Uh, I think, I think the, version, the, the slightly newer version said, control the sexual impulses. Be holy. God's great desire for us is that we're holy. He says a couple of times that we are blameless before his coming, that we live right. 
that we honor God. And I just want to say, um, we want to stand with one another in living right, in sanctification, in being holy. If you want us to stand with you, we're here to do that, to stand with you in those things. And then the last bit that Pete read, he said, encourage each other with these words, that we grieve as those who have a death-conquering hope. We do not grieve as those with no hope. Paul, t- Paul simply talks about being asleep because death has lost its sting. We don't grieve as those with no hope. And that is the heart of the gospel and that is something that makes us fundamentally different And in the last reading, we're going to hear about some more things like that. Chapter 5. About the times and the seasons, brothers, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come, just like a thief in the night. When they say, peace and security, then sudden destruction comes on them, like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in the dark, so that this day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We're not of the night or of the darkness. So then, we must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we are of the day, we must be sober and put on the armor of faith and love on our chests and put on a helmet of hope and of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Amen. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Now we ask you, brothers, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers, warn those who are lazy, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. But test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every form of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your spirit and soul 
and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. Amen. Who also will do it. Brothers, pray for us also. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. I like um, the little throwaway line there about times and seasons. Um, I, I know they were, they were concerned in Thessalonica as to when the Lord would come again, but um, it just strikes me there's a, there's a slightly wider dimension there about the times and seasons. There are significant times and seasons, church, yeah. and we're in the middle of one. Yeah. And at such times, it's vital that we know who we are. And as that last chapter particularly starts to say, we are sons of the day, children of the light. And that makes us fundamentally different to those of the dark and the night. And he says, therefore, and he, and he, this closing, um, faith, hope, and love. Therefore, put on faith and hope and love. Wear these qualities. In this case, like armor. Because there's a time and a season we're in. And it's time to put on the, the, the protective armor of faith and hope and love. And um, of course, you didn't have the verse numbers with you, but, but he ends with that really simple thing. And these are, the, these are these second and third shortest verses. Rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything. Not for everything, but in everything. In the midst of everything, give thanks. It's so simple, isn't it? And I love that. Uh, um, pray, rejoice always, pray, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything. Just want to finish with um, three particular, maybe big takeaways for us. If you could put the last slide up, Adam. Church, let's walk worthy of the Lord and, and seek to please Him, to live blameless, to be holy, to, to embrace sanctification. Let's walk worthy of the Lord. Second, let's overflow. This is a great word. This is an overflowing. In Romans, he talks about overflowing hope. But in this letter, he's talking about the overflowing of love. Let, let's overflow with really tangible, practical, concrete, experienceable, recallable faith, hope, and love. Let's be outstanding in showing brotherly love to one another. Let's be brilliant in strengthening and encouraging one another. And third thing he says there, let, I, I want to say just in closing, let's be a model. We've said this for years. Lord, we want to be a model in a region, as this church was, not only in, in Thessalonica, but throughout the region of Macedonia and Achaia, they became a model. And um, we've always believed that's part of what God has called us to do. It's a, it's a wonderful aspiration to be a model but I want to pray that we will be, near and far, we will be a model. Let's, um, let's close this time. I'd love to just encourage you, where you're sitting, whoever you're sitting with, to, to just, um, and I know this can be embarrassing, especially if you don't really know the people with you, but, but to just turn and, and, and encourage one another, maybe with something you've heard in the letter. Maybe simply, if you'd put that last one back up, Adam, 
maybe simply with, with these things, to say these things and to pray these things for one another. I, I want to pray, Lord, that Chris will walk worthy of the Lord. You'll help him do that. That Cindy will overflow with faith and hope and love. I want to pray that Pete and Pauline will be a model on their road and that all of us will be a model in a much bigger region. So let's just take a few minutes to, to encourage, to pray, to bless one another. Then I'm ask the singers and musicians if you'd come back and we'll finish with a song together. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.